I wanted to thank uh, Dora. I found that was really encouraging. And it's a reminder that as we look at this series on our identity, we want to be transformed to do what God's called us to do. Today's theme is that we're going to be, that we look at is that we're loved by God, but we're loved to love others. Um, and I also want to thank the lovely worship team this morning. I thought it was just super. And I think we forget sometimes, a little anecdote is for years, Armin and I, my wife, were church planting, and I was an average guitarist, we could say. That's perhaps being exaggerating. But I used to love playing my guitar at home just with, with the Lord, just to bless him, to bless me. But uh, I got promoted to lead the worship with my daughter, because that's what you do when you're church planting. And I realized it was really difficult, and you had to do rehearsals and prepare so as what you saw today is an overflow of lots of hard work. And we're really blessed here just to come and chill out. So I just don't know where they all are, but I just, I just want to applaud the worship team. Because they come week after week serving us. So, I'm going to start with a really bad joke. Two ladies talking to one another. One says to the other, did you know it takes three sheep to knit a jumper? The other one says, no, I didn't know sheep could knit. I said it was a bad joke, and if you want more bad jokes, then come along to the circle that I go to, because we have someone there who's a specialist in bad jokes. No, they're actually very good quality. Okay, we're going to continue in our Who Am I's Living in True Identity series, and I want to just start with a quote, see if this works, oh, lovely, a quote by a pastor from California, many of you will know, called Bill Johnson. And he says, I can't afford to have a thought in my head that God doesn't have in his. And that's been working on in my spirit for a few years, but particularly the last few weeks. As I pray each day, the thoughts I'm having, do they come from God? Do they come from the adversary? Uh, are the ones that I'm saying? So to, to give you an example, if I do something silly, which can happen... <laughs> And I go, oh, stupid me. Where does that thought come from? It certainly doesn't come from God. And it certainly attacked my identity because I'm not silly or stupid, but occasionally I make mistakes. And I'm not a mistake. I'm a child of God. I'm a new creation. And we need to be constantly uh, on our alert. And I love the little phrase in there, I can't afford... I can't afford to take that risk. Life's too short. I need my identity to be anchored in Jesus so that I can bless others, so I can do everything that God's called me to do. And that's why this series on identity is so important. It's not just theory. All the good talks we've heard so far you know, about um, being forgiven, where we are in sitting in heavenly places. Last week about being holy, they're all important, and some will be more important to some people here than to others. And I've got the pleasure this morning of tackling the theme of, find the title, see if this thing works. I think it's the next one. I am loved and can grasp it. That's no, the next one. I am loved and can grasp it. And we'll just go back, because this has been our strap line. Remember, your identity determines your beliefs, which in turn determine your behavior. 
So we get our identity right, and we listen to what God's saying to us. It's going to touch how we think, and they're, they're, they're linked together, and then that determines what we do. So, for example, if, if my identity's all wrong, I'm going to think, I'm no good, I can't do anything, in simple terms. If my identity's right, I'm going to be full of confidence. And that's something that God wants to um, fill us with, is confidence in him and what God can do through us. So, this is our theme. I'm loved and can grasp it. And I have to say, when I saw the list of the different themes, I thought, I looked at the others and I thought, oh, I'd, I'd love to talk on that. This loved one, you know, <laughs> been there, prayed that, done, done a talk on that. But it was like the Lord said to me, you need to learn so much more about how much God loves you, Paul. So I jumped into the subject and thought, yes, I've got more things to learn. And what I'm sharing with you today is really my walk, and I'm trusting that it's going to bless, bless you guys as well. It's going to bless the body here today. And the passage that it's based on is Ephesians, should come up, Ephesians 3, chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God." We see in this passage, Paul is absolutely passionate that we meet with the love of Christ. It's the foundation for his life, and he wants it to be the foundation for, for ours. And the, he wants us to get hold of the size of this love. Does anyone notice anything about those four uh, descriptions there? It says, when his love, he says, he's wide, long, high, deep. Thank you. Someone pointed out, Elsa, thank you. There's four dimensions. Were there four dimensions when you were at school? No, I mean, I'm, I just think like that. I read the text and think, why is it four dimensions? And my theological studies say it's just he got carried away. But it's actually because he's so excited about the love of God for us that he just adds in an extra dimension. Or it's some deep spiritual thing that I don't understand, and that doesn't matter. And... I was thinking about this text, and I think there's a sister text that I love that goes along with it. It says, it's in 1 John 3, 1, that says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Just, just think on that for a second. How great is the love God has lavished on us. It's like, you, just, you, can, you haven't tasted, guys, how much I love you. There's more. There's more layers. There's more layers of God's love. He just wants to lavish on us. I mean, that word is beautiful, isn't it? It's like rich. It's extravagance. And that's his extravagant love for us. It really is. And, And then Paul goes on and says, I want you, and we get to the text, to grasp it 
but he says, I want you to know this love. And often in the New Testament, I know is a bit simplified as a word in English, because know is just often linked with, I know something. I know Chris, I know this, I know knowledge. But the real meaning of know often is to experience something as well. So Paul's crying out, I want you to experience this love. And we know he's using know in this sense, because he said it, because it surpasses knowledge. You've got to experience it. We, we're going to do a little exercise later on, but... I can say Jesus loves you, or I can say Jesus loves me, because I know it's the right Christian thing to say. (laughs) And I know it's true. But it's got to move from my head regularly each day to my heart. And you know when someone's in love with Jesus. Or you know, in the natural, you know when someone's in love, don't you? They, they They look all sort of happy. And what's happened to you? Oh, I'm in love. Now, now we can spot that. When a young couple are in love, I just, rem- just remember that when we, used to, when we flew back from our honeymoon, my wife and I, the stewardess walked up and says, are you two uh, just married? And uh, I said, yes. She said, it shows. <laughs> and, in, and, in this, and in the same way, if we're in love with Jesus, it, it will show. So it's, it's got to move from that head to heart. And that's, that's what Paul's passionate that we, we get hold of. And we're going to look at some of the different ways that God loves us. And some of these are my personal stories and some are are not. I want to tell you about my first son, John, our oldest son, John. Got three kids, John, Christiana and David. And our oldest son now, John, is 28. And we took a while to have our first child. Took about three to four years to conceive. And in that period, um, Irene started to get, is it the word clucky or is that old-fashioned? I don't know. She wanted to have a child, and I didn't quite get it, in all honesty. And I was probably very maladroit, clumsy, and said all sorts of insecure things like, am I not enough? And that didn't help. And I slowly started to see that my wife really wanted a child. And also I started to panic a bit because I thought, I'm not sure... It's not that I didn't want a child. I just didn't. I was just happy being married. You know, I didn't think about kids. So I'm thinking, well, will I be a good father? And I started to panic a bit internally, and I started saying, pray to the Lord, if, if we have a kid, which is a bit silly, I'm sure we're going to have a kid, but make me a good father. In fact, that's been one of my prayers for years since, actually. But in those three or four years, I kept saying, I don't know whether I'm up for this, so please make me a good father. So moving on, three or four years later, and we were... Particularly my wife, we get a bit stressed, couldn't have a child. She walks into church and God says to her, you're going to have a child and you're to call him John. By the way, I wanted to call him Joseph, but we called him John. Because God had spoken and that's what was decided. So he's called John. And, sorry, and a month later, we found out Irene had conceived from the time she'd gone into the church and heard the Lord say that. And of course, we called him John, God's gracious gift uh, to us. But I want to talk a bit about the experience because when I found out that uh, Irene had conceived and it was you know, all going to be okay, I was excited, but I, I wasn't ecstatic, I have to say. I was still in that stage of, goodness me, I'm going to be a dad. Will, will I crack it type of thing? So the day comes uh, when John's born in the West Middlesex Hospital and something, I can only say supernatural, happened at that point. It's like I had a download 
of love for this child. In certain computer terms. It was just, boom, supernaturally. I looked at this kid when I saw it. <gasps> That's, and I was just like a dad. It was just totally in love. I mean, not quite like when I got married, but a different type of love. I thought, this kid, he's, he's just wonderful. I, I was just so excited. And, it, and as I was preparing today, there's been a verse that's been working in my heart for my own personal walk with God for a long time. And it's from Psalm uh, 2. We might have it on here. Let me just see. Haven't? No, we haven't, not yet. It's Psalm 2 7 that says, You are my son, today I have become your father. And it's a prophetic verse talking about the relationship between uh, the Father in heaven and when Jesus becomes his son. And you can also take it, when I read it, it just resonates in my spirit that when I became a child of God, I became his son. I became his son. And I have a Father in heaven who truly, truly loves me. And the reason I'm sharing this quite personal story is because when I meditate on it, I think if me, with all my human frailties, can love my son John with such an intensity, how much more does my Father in heaven love me? How much more does your Father in heaven love you? When you think of that level of love... And the other, the other thing that I learned in the process is that he didn't do anything for me. I just, I just looked at this little present and thought, wow, he's wonderful. In fact, I, I, be, I really became a father because I remember driving out of the West Mid in my red BX, Citroen BX, and driving really, really slowly. I used to be a bit tempted to... Uh, go over the speed limit or close to the speed in those days. And I was like going 10 miles below the speed limit because I'd also become a father who wanted to look after this precious little gift. And one thing I, I noticed that thinking about having a little boy at that age, I loved him irrespective of what he could do. In the, anyone who's a parent knows in those first few months, they don't do anything for you. <laughs> they, they, they just receive love. They give you little presents which we all know about, they have accidents, and you just love them unconditionally. And it's the same way with us, with our relationship with our Father in heaven. Years later, of course, my son John, can 28 now, um, he, he helps us, he gives us advice. But that's not, why, that's not why I love him. I love him because I love him, because he's my son. And that's what he's saying to us today. He loves us because he loves us. Just, just not get over it, love it. You've got nothing to prove. You've got 100% already. He loves you. And anything must flow from that place. Now, I'm hoping to illustrate some love of the Father that we've got a video that might, might or not work. Otherwise, we're going to have to describe it. We'll wait and see. We got it to work, guys.
going to pause there. Just, just have a chat with your neighbours for a couple of minutes and just share your emotions with the people next to you or someone you've come with. Say hello if it's not someone you know. And just take a break there for a couple of minutes and, I just, and then we'll have some feedback. And, and tell me what you thought about the video afterwards. You've seen it before, haven't you? Yeah, you've seen it before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently, Okay, thank you everyone. Just a little 10 second sound bites. Does anyone just want to shout out what they felt about that video? Or just a, an observation? What, what was, okay, last question. What, what, what did you notice that the father didn't talk about? Sorry? Didn't talk about the medal, no. Lovely Charlotte, thank you. Didn't talk about swimming. What did he talk about? His son. So all he cared about was his son and his characteristics. What did he say about his son? He's beautiful. God says that about us. We're beautiful. It's, it's really, when every time I watch that, I get touched. And I've watched it eight, nine, ten times. Because it's total and utterly unconditional love. He's not, he's not interested in, to some extent, of course he's proud of his son, but he's going, have you seen his character? Have you seen what he's like inside? I know him. He's just such a lovely boy. And you know, when the Holy Spirit comes into us and transforms us, transform us, we are lovely. You might not always believe it when you've had a bad day, and I'm going to come on with an example in a moment, but we are lovely. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It really is. I mean, it's humbling. We don't need to show off. But that father could see it in his son, and our father in heaven can see it in us. And we can't do anything to earn it. I'd like us to look at Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 5. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 5. It says there, But when the kindness and love of God... Our Saviour appeared. Think about this word, kindness. When the kindness and love of God, our Saviour appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, not because of smart works and all our achievements, not because of things we had done, but because of his mercy. His mercy is his loving kindness. And when I was preparing for this message this week, I had a real sense that some people self-included, who really need to understand the kindness of God. Love is, is a well-used word, but part of love is kindness. When you meet someone who's just kind, 
And Jesus is kind. And sometimes we need to be kind to ourselves. We really do. He saved us not because of righteous things were done, but because of his mercy, his kindness he loved. He saved us. He came and rescued us. He took the initiative. I was, my life was in a mess, and he came and rescued me. And I love him for that. And I don't need to do anything more than just say thank you and love him. Preparing for this message this week, timed it to me right back to the simplicity of when I first knew Jesus. Hadn't done anything for him, just loved him. Spent hours lying in bed singing praise songs to him. Things were simple then. And sometimes God needs to take us back to that place. So it goes on. Because the righteous thing be done. Because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Just like I was showing you, when, when I saw my son, I'm a dad, he's my son. And that's what happens when we decide to follow Jesus. A supernatural happening happens, <laughs> you can say it like that. And the Holy Spirit comes into us and he renews us and he transforms us into that new person that God always wanted us to be. He doesn't change our personality and my quirky sense of humor and my odd bits because I'm a unique person and so are all of you. But I become a new person in Jesus, refreshed and renewed and washed, washed of my sins. So when the enemy comes along and he accuses me of things I've done, or even I've done today, I can say, but I'm forgiven, because I'm washed. And he puts a spirit in us, it says in Galatians 4, 6, which calls out Daddy. Technically it says Abba Father. The sense of the word, it calls out daddy. So if, if you've struggled to see God as a good father, and some people have had difficult backgrounds and abusive fathers, the Holy Spirit is there to teach us what a good father is like. It can take time, but please trust me, the Holy Spirit is in us to create that spirit naturally that we will call out daddy. And if we ask Holy Spirit, he'll teach us what our daddy in heaven is like even if we've had a tough daddy or even not had a daddy on earth because sometimes our models haven't been that great for me fortunately I had a good dad but not everyone's had a good dad you know Jesus loves us as we are for many years as a Christian and I still have to be on alert, I've struggled with condemnation. When I was a child, I was one of those kids who was the good boy. Didn't get into trouble. Didn't mean I was perfect, even though I tell the kids I was. <laughs> it's just, you often have that type of child who just wants to be the good boy. But that can create a lot of stress as well. And then we have a very refined conscience when we become Christians and it can be a struggle. So I struggled with condemnation and I learnt key scriptures and that's a good thing to do. Therefore there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. Um, Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he's removed my sins from me. And that is important and that did help. 
But I needed an encounter with Jesus to be really set free from condemnation. And the experience for me was simply this. I was praying one day, and Jesus simply said, Paul, do you think I love you more when you've had a good day or a bad day? And when Jesus asks you a question, he always knows the answer, by the way. That's obvious. He's only asking. And I knew the answer. I knew even the theological answer was he loved me on a bad day and a good day. But suddenly, just thinking of this question, responding, I felt the love of God come on me and said, Paul, I love you when you've messed up and you've done something wrong. I love you just as much then as when you've had a miraculous day and everything's flying and you're achieving all your dreams, everyone thinks you're great. He said, that's not important to me. The point is, I love you. I love you as you are. And what I've learned is, when we get it wrong, God doesn't withdraw from us. He actually presses in, because it's a chance for an upgrade. So when I do things wrong now, and I think, oh, I've got a bit of a habit there, and I'm wanting to change there, it's an opportunity to press in, and God says, well, chat about it. Let's, let's, let's work on this together. And you move on. You don't, you don't see it as something negative. And I think sometimes the reason we have an issue with this, it can be, is because in our childhood, maybe when we were good, so I was wanting to be the good boy, when we're good, um, we get some sort of approval. But if we've had bad parenting or a teacher or something that says, when, when you do something wrong, you get rejected. You get sent to your room. I'm not interested in you. And you build a model that when we do something wrong, I can't approach my dad. And we've tried our best. I'm not always sure we've got it right as parents. But when our kids have done something wrong, to have an open door, that they can come and chat, and they're still really affirmed in our love. I don't think it's such a big deal to Jesus. He's more interested in our heart. He knows we make mistakes. He really does. But he loves us. I mean, it's so supernatural that he loves us. But we can rejoice in it. (laughs) It's really, really good news. Third point I want to talk about, and it's linked to what I'm already saying. Do you know we're, we're really lovable? We're loved. We're lovable. It's extraordinary that the the creator of the universe sent his son to die because he loved us so much he wanted to restore relationship with us. And sometimes when I pray for people, I have a real, real sense of their value. It just comes on me. I'm praying for someone. I go, oh, that person. This happened about a couple of weeks ago. I I could feel it in here. Jesus loves them so much. And you try and express in our clumsy words, which aren't easy, that you're worth as much as that Jesus died for you. And it can sound a real cliche. But you can look at that two ways. You can look at it, yeah, yeah, I'm a rot- I was a rotten sinner and he died for me because he had to forgive me. <laughs> or you can look at it like, wow, I'm worth that much to Jesus that he came onto planet Earth to die for me because he loved me so much so I could be forgiven and become the person God created me to be. Because he's, he's dying, literally, excuse the pun, but he's dying for a relationship with me. He's so keen. 
And when I meditate on that, I just get this, like, I just want to take this knowledge and plant it into the person's head. And I have to plant it again in mine, regularly. Because there's two ways of looking at Jesus' work on the cross for us. Where his handiwork says, says in Psalm 139, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. We're lovable. That's someone with some confidence, the psalmist who wrote Psalm 139. It says in Zephaniah 3.17, He delights in us and rejoices over us with singing. We're enough in Jesus' eyes. He didn't, he did, not like just enough. <laughs> We're enough. When he created us, he didn't make mistakes. He created each individual unique with all their talents and giftings and Jesus says, I want to be able to have a relationship with that person and I'm really excited about my creation. I, th- I think personally it can be a struggle to know we're lovable. And we're going to do an exercise now. And sometimes if, if, you just, if you just hear that God loves you, that's one thing. But I did an exercise about five, four or five years ago on a prophetic course. And on the course, and we had to write it, we haven't got time now, but I had to ask Jesus what he liked about me. Now, like is a bit more specific than love. It, it means sort of the same thing, and like can be very strong. So, and, and it was really liberating for me, and it's very personal. And we're going to do an exercise in a moment where I just want you to pause and pray and ask God for three things that he likes about you. Three things that are just nice about you. And they might be unique about you. And then if you're really courageous, and I'd encourage you to do this, take one of them and share it with your neighbor. The reason I say that is because when we say things out loud, there's a power in our words. And it affirms what we've heard from the Lord. I'm going to pray that God's going to speak to us in a second. And when you ask Jesus what he likes about you, try and avoid, if you can, oh, he likes me uh, because I do this. Try and ask God what he likes about you. It's a bit like if someone said, what do I love about my darling wife, Irene? Now, if I just said to Irene, well, I love you because you make great meals, it's a bit selfish, isn't it? (laughs) It's what she can do for me. But if I say, you know, I just love you for your enthusiasm for life, the way you encourage me, um, just the way you love flowers and it inspires me and your creativity, now that's more personal, isn't it? You get it? And That's how Jesus loves us. You're unique and special. So I'm just going to pray for us and we're just going to do this for two minutes. Lord Jesus, just come by your spirit, I pray, right now and encourage everyone in this room that they're unique and special And you want to, just in the next two minutes, spend tender minutes with them and reveal your love specifically for them. So I just encourage you to close your eyes now 
and just commune with Jesus and say, what do you, what do you love about me, Lord? How do I encourage you, my friend, my beloved? How do I encourage you? How do you love me? I love you so much. Just come, dear Holy Spirit. Right now I ask. Amen. If you like journaling, then maybe write down what Jesus is showing you. Okay, we'll pause there. Is anyone courageous enough to mention something that God might have said to them? Or someone to shout out? Or share with a neighbor. Share with a neighbor, please. Share with a neighbor now. Just one lovely thing that Jesus has said about you.
Okay, if you can bring your discussions uh, to a close. I try this exercise at home in preparing. And the Lord simply said to me, I have great pleasure when I see you in national parks picking up bits of granite and just seeing their beauty. That's me. You see, that's so unique, isn't it? There may be someone else here who receives that from the Lord, but maybe not because we're each person's different. I did have another point, but seeing the time, Charlotte, I think we'll stop there, and I'd love to have a time where we can pray for one another. Um, There's a couple of thoughts I had. I think there might be some people here who need to know the kindness of God. And if that's the case in a minute, I'd like you just to stand up, and if the people around you could pray for you, that you just have a revelation of how kind he is. And linked with that... I also think that some people are just hard on themselves and in this being liberated. Our Father is not hard on us. We're hard on ourselves. But he's not hard on us. And then the third one, that you are enough. You don't need anything more than you are. Go and do what God's called you to do because you're enough. You don't, you don't have to wait. I remember God said in a different way. He said, do you think I'll love you more, Paul, in 10 years' time when you've done more things for me and grown a bit, if, you, if we do grow? And I believe we do grow. But do you think you'll be worth more then in 10 years' time than now? No. Just like I love my son, and all he could do was give me presents and nappies to change and other delights for the first 18 months. But I just looked at him. I, should, I thought about bringing a photo today. He was so good looking, so cute. That's my son, my firstborn. And that's how he thinks about us. So just stand, if you, if you just respond, respond to that, that you're enough. That if you feel, perhaps, that you're a bit hard on yourselves, then please stand up. And we'll pray for you. And if you want to experience the kindness of God... And he's a kind father. He's not harsh. He's gentle. And if you can, if you can see people standing up, please, those who are close, go and pray for them. And just pray that they get revelation. And I just feel God wants to pour out his love. Dear Holy Spirit, come here this morning, I pray, and give each of us in our own way a revelation of your love and the lavishness of your love and your kindness. So come, come Holy Spirit, and touch your beloved, your beloved church this morning. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week. And remember your loved.